The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thank you so much for joining us again here on Winning Ponies. Hope everybody had a uh, safe St. Patrick's Day a week ago, and uh, sorry that so many of you had your basketball brackets busted. But we're here to give you winners on the racetrack. Here's the lineup for today's show. Our first guest will be Brian Zipsy. Uh, he's currently the managing editor of Horse Racing Nation, which is the fastest-growing racing news site on the Internet. He also has a new newsletter that comes out on Thursday that if you sign up, you can get delivered right in your mailbox. You might want to check that out. It gives great analysis of races uh, across the country. And this week, across the pond, um, counting on him to go over the races at Maidan in the Dubai World Cup, of course, Saturday is the richest day of racing in the world uh, over in Dubai. The, the World Cup itself carries a purse of $10 million, and it looks like a lot of the American horses have a good shot in there, particularly California Chrome and Frosted, who are currently listed as the two favorites. Then we are going to bring on Gary West, uh, who's been a frequent visitor here at Winning Ponies, great guy, extremely intelligent, a former professor. His father was a jockey, grew up in New Orleans, and that's where we're going to be going because what a day of racing there. Fifteen races. Got to get up a little bit early to play the fairgrounds card on Saturday. But the headliner would be the Twin Spires Louisiana Derby, a million dollars, and whoever wins this is guaranteed a berth in the Kentucky Derby. Then we're going to go to a race that's had more impact on the Kentucky Oaks in the last six years than any other race, and that is the Twin Spires Fairgrounds Oaks. Uh, Also, rounding out four graded races, so you get to play a pick four with graded races, is the Munez Memorial Handicap. It used to be the Mervyn Munez Memorial, but uh, his brother Ramon passed away over the last year, so right now it's the Munez Memorial, two great guys that I had a chance to work with uh, decades ago. And then um, kicking off the, the pick four would be the New Orleans Handicap. I'm dying to see who Gary likes in there uh, because uh, that is a very, very evenly matched race. Gary West also puts out a updated Top 20 Derby Prospects list and we'll pick his brain on that one he came up with the horse he believes is going to win the kentucky derby last week and i'm going to guess it's not on the top of your list so with all this great racing don't forget to go to winningponies.com and pull down the easy win forms because we had some outstanding winners one of the biggest of the last year was at tampa bay 
on last Saturday, a 50 cent super high five, if you got your numbers right, paid over $10,000. In the middle of the country, Turfway Park had a 50 cent pick five that paid 5990 Over on the East Coast at Gulfstream Park, on Friday, a 50 cent pick four paid $3,125. And on the opposite shores at Golden Gate, $1 Super 5 box, $2,338. So pull down those easy win forms. In addition to the great racing over in Dubai and in New Orleans, at Santa Anita this week, well, they've got the Santa Ana Stakes, which is a grade two on Saturday. Uh, the Cicada at Aqueduct is for three-year-olds, but they're just sprinting. I don't know if any derby horses are going to pop out of that. And Oaklawn for three-year-olds has $100,000, the gazebo stakes. Well, uh, some very sad news came across the wire today. Jeff Lucas, the only child of Hall of Fame trainer D. Wayne Lucas, and uh, the victim of a very uh, tragic accident that took place years ago, about a quarter century ago, has passed away. He was 58 years old. Um, you may recall Jeff was uh, an outstanding assistant trainer to, to his father, and he was surrounded by some great horses. But years ago, uh, it was Tabasco Cat got loose in the shed row, and he stepped in front of him, tried to stop him, and he was uh, just floored, and it caused uh, injury to his brain. Now, there is an outstanding story uh, on, in Sports Illustrated that came out over the past year on him. Hopefully you, you can Google it. It was just a, an amazingly great a story. But um, he worked with so many good trainers, Jeff did, and he was so respected. Uh, Dallas Stewart said, you know, Jeff was a great horseman, and other guys that he worked with, Todd Pletcher, Karen McLaughlin, and Mark Henning, all worked under Jeff as assistants. Think about that group of trainers. And uh, according to Pletcher, that Jeff was the sharpest and most dedicated horseman he had ever met. His impact on my life and career and many others in the Lucas organization is immeasurable. We will miss him greatly. Now, some of the horses that uh, Jeff took care of with his father, a lady's secret, horse of the year in 1986. Think about this. She won eight grade one races that year with Jeff by her side. Other horses with whom Jeff had been closely linked to were uh, Winning Colors, who won the 1988 Kentucky Derby. No details on services yet, so our thoughts and prayers go out to uh, D. Wayne Lucas. It was his only son. Well, here's uh, some more late-breaking news. Uh, the merry-go-round at Santa Anita has stopped, and getting off the lead horse is Australian race caller Michael Rona. He's been named the new full-time track announcer at Santa Anita. He's uh, 49 years old, started calling horses when he was 17 uh, down in Australia. For the last 25 years, uh, he's been calling in the U.S. The past 12, he's been announcing at Golden Gate Fields in Northern California. Now, Remember, they had a, kind of an audition going on, so following auditions from Rona, international announcers Craig Evans of the Singapore Turf Club and uh, English race caller David Fitzgerald called, and the guy that I really thought had the job, Frank Miramani, who left Oaklawn Park, they've all been alternating, and I guess uh, the management took a vote on it, and Michael Rona 
gets the call. Now somebody's going to have to replace him at Golden Gate. Uh, well, every week we update our ultimate Kentucky Derby poll, and the Rebel winner Cupid took a big jump in the poll. Uh, yeah, I hope you got to see that race. He was pretty awesome. Uh, of course, this contest is overseen by our friend Jenny Reese, who was on the show recently. I'll just give you the top 10, not the top 20. Right now, the consensus of the experts are uh, Mo Heyman, Nyquist, More Spirit, Dancing Candy, and Gunrunner. That's one, two, three, four, five. Then we go to Destin, now Cupid, Mo Tom, we'll learn more about him on Saturday, Zulu, and Shagaf. So there is the predictions. Of course, they'll change. The leading point winner for getting into the Derby currently is Mo Heyman. Destin is second, Gunrunner third, Cupid now fourth, so he's in, and Dancing Candy is number five. Uh, moving along now, taking a look at the races that will impact next week. We have two races on Saturday, both the UAE Derby at Maidan. These are all 100-point races to the winner, and the Louisiana Derby, which is another one. And then coming up in weeks ahead will be the Florida Derby, uh, the Spiral at Turfway Park, the Wood Memorial, the Bluegrass, and the Santa Anita and Arkansas Derby. Those are all 100-point races. Uh, Since changes last week, there have been nine late nominations to the Triple Crown. These are people that had to pay an extra $6,000 because they didn't get in early. So uh, you might want to uh, jot down the names of these horses. Again, If you, you can always get them on the podcast, but uh, you've got uh, the Abiding Star, a son of Uncle Mo, American Pioneer, uh, who was a big winner in a maiden race at Oaklawn for the Cat, uh, Cards of Stone, a New York bred, who's out of the Pletcher Barn, Governor Malibu, Another New York bred, Christophe Clement trains that one. I So Fast, who has only one win in four races. Looking for a kiss, son of looking at Lucky. My Man Sam, a Kentucky bred son of Trap Shot, trained by Chad Brown. Surgical Strike and a Zapparini. So those are horses you might want to watch in upcoming days because their connections already put down a $6,000 bet on them. As far as the girls are concerned, in the Oaks, it's Songbird, the undefeated filly, uh, who is number one. Catherine Sophia remains in second at 60 points. Then you've got Polar River. They don't know whether or not Polar River is going to come or not. Uh, has been racing over in Dubai. Then you've got Venus Valentine. Of course, we had Tom Amos on last week. Keep our fingers crossed for him. And we'll get to see Venus Valentine run on Saturday. And then Tara Promessa from Stone Street Tables. Those are the main ones for the girls. The big race is left for them. Saturday in the Fairgrounds Oaks, 100-point uh, race. And then you've got the uh, Bourbonette Oaks at Turfway, the Gulfstream Park Oaks, Santa Anita Oaks, Gazelle at Aqueduct, Ashland at Keeneland, and the Fantasy at Oak Lawn Park. Those are all uh, big point races remaining for the girls. Now, the National Museum of Racing has announced its 2016 Hall of Fame finalists. Drum roll, please. Jockeys Ramon Dominguez, Victor Espinoza, Garrett Gomez, and Craig Perret. For the horses, English Channel, Kona Gold, 
Rachel Alexandra and Zenyatta. And back on the ballot this year, I'm thankful about this, is Steve Asmussen and David Whitley. So uh, that's the big names that are going to potentially be going to Racing's Hall of Fame this year. All right, as far as uh, the jockeys are concerned, Martin Garcia got Jockey of the Week. He followed up his win in the Grade 2 Rebel at Oaklawn Park with a pair of stakes wins at Sunland Park on Sunday. Three stakes victories, and he goes to the top with the Jockey's Guild Jockey of the Week. Of course, Garcia closely aligned with Bob Baffert. He's a 32-year-old native of Veracruz, Mexico. So uh, congratulations to him for getting those honors. Uh, Jockey Santiago Gonzalez is going to be out for a while. He fractured his jaw in an accident in the fifth race at Santa Anita on Sunday. He's going to be out about six weeks. I believe he was the second leading rider behind Rafael Bayerano out on the West Coast. So uh, uh, we wish him happy healing. And welcome back, Stuart L. Elliot's career is back, and uh, he won, he won a stakes out on the West Coast last week, the San Pedro. Of course, everybody remembers him for winning the triple, almost winning the triple crown with uh, Derby and Preakness winner Smarty Jones in 2004. So, uh, welcome back, Stuart Elliott, who's been off here for a while. A quick look at our uh, our races from last week. Want to thank both Ed Meyer. And Pete Aiello for coming on with us. We had some tough ones, but there's a new star on the rise. Pull back your bow. Cupid took the Rebel. Very impressive. Of course, they ought to just rename this the Bob Baffert Rebel. Uh, This was his sixth win in, I believe, seven years. Uh, Cupid under Martin Garcia. Got an early lead on the inside, uh, just kind of cruised. Everybody had a chance to take a shot at him. When he straightened out into the lane, he kind of cocked his head in a strange way. Garcia said he was looking for company. He was wanting to see where the competition was, and he really did. When he leveled out uh, through the lane, uh, he did uh, get get the job done. Second was the, the horse uh, that I liked, uh, Whitmore, who really put in a solid effort in second, but he wasn't going to catch Cupid. There were no less than four tappets in this race. Finishing third, another tappet, Creator, uh, at 8-1. to one. So Cupid and Creator, 1-3, get the job done for North America's leading sire, Tappet. And it was upset time. It was a repeat of last year with heavily favored Untappable finishing second in the Azari. Uh, Joe Rocco put in a beautiful ride, uh, was last to first, split horses in the lane, and got up by a neck. So congratulations to Call Pat and Joe Rocco Jr. Then we went to the Razorback Handicap. And the winner in here was Upstart, a son of Flatter. He rated Conley for Joe Bravo, five wide into the lane, and won willingly. Second was Domain's Rap. And in the third spot, Idalo Portendo, a horse that had been racing in Argentina. All right, that's a look at national news, a look at our races from last week. Now let's look forward. Let's go to the desert. Coming with us to the desert, none other than Brian Zipsy. He's going to tell us about what's going on at Maydan as we take a look at the Dubai World Cup. You're listening to Winning Ponies.
Kirchhoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports... America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, as I stated earlier in the show, with us right now out of the gate, Brian Zipsy, he made the mistake of saying, hey, John, call me any time the last time I had him on, so I'm reaching out to him again. Of course, he's currently the managing editor of Horse Racing Nation, which is the fastest-growing racing news site on uh, the Internet. He authors a daily column called Zipsy at the Track. I was cruising through there, and I saw the article last week. I'm like, i got to get a hold of him because he seems to have a bit of a grip on what's going on uh, over in Dubai this week. So with no further ado, Brian Zipsy, welcome to Winning Ponies. Hey, John. Always a pleasure to be here. Uh, what's going on? I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, a great weekend of international racing. Uh, absolutely, and uh, I'm sure you've probably been up there today looking at the, you know, some of the post-position draws and comments from different people. Um, you and I were pretty much at the same press conference this week, and I heard you uh, talking to Art Sherman, and uh, let's face it, could, could there be any more accolades for California Chrome than what we heard that day? Yeah, California Chrome, you know, people love uh, love what he looks like this year. Last year, of course, he uh, he went over a little bit later to Dubai, and then he had his, he ran a good second in the Dubai World Cup, and then he was sent to England, he lost weight, he he just never looked quite like the powerhouse that he's looking like this year. They uh, they put him on the farm. I visited him at uh, TaylorMade Farm last fall. He put on a bunch of weight. He put on 160 pounds or so, and he's just more uh, of a muscular, healthy-looking horse this year. And Art Sherman, you know, he's he's in California most of the year. His son uh, his son uh, went over Allen with California Chrome. He's been over there for a couple months, and when Art got over there, he just loved what he saw. Well, uh, between you, me, and the lamppost, I think that the elimination of Mr. Coburn and the addition of, of uh, TaylorMade Farm 
just made a huge difference in the way this horse has been managed. And uh, from the time that the horse recuperated at TaylorMade to the, the smart decision, in my opinion, to return him to his happy home with Art Sherman, it was fun uh, talking to Art. Uh, he'd pretty much only gotten off the airplane about 12 hours before we got a chance to talk to him, and he really didn't get any sleep and went over there, and he said, you know, California Chrome greeted him like it was uh, you know, the prodigal son. He was happy to see him because Art's been staying in California of course, his son's always been involved with the horse, but um, it just seems like the, this new team that they've put together has just laid out a great map for the horse. The horse is happy and healthy. Certainly the idea of getting over there earlier is going to be a huge benefit. Now, we don't know the outcome of the race, and obviously I've, we'll, we'll, we'll break it down here in a little bit, but um, I also think the addition of TaylorMade Farm, and you can see what they're doing. Let's face it. He doesn't have, you know, the greatest pedigree in the world. And if they can continue to take these steps forward with him, he's going to make his own pedigree. And Taylor brought in a couple other partners uh, that have a good broodmare band. And I think it's going to be a great kickoff for this horse. But all eyes are going to be on him on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, t- Taylor made the guys. They know what they're doing there. Duncan Taylor's uh, the uh, CEO. I talked to him last year about Chrome, and he's really excited about his pedigree. You know, he's he's the son of Lucky Pulpit, and Lucky Pulpit is not a, a well-known sire. But as soon as you scratch the surface just a little bit farther, both Broodmare's side and his uh, his male side, there's a lot of good stuff there. You know, he's a descendant of, of Seattle Slough and AP Indian Pulpit, and all that good stuff. He's got a he's got a pretty strong female family as well. So, yeah, despite uh, uh, despite his rather modest beginnings, because his sire was not a, a big name, uh, they're excited about him as a stallion. And, and sure, winning the world's richest race, you know, it's good for the pocketbook immediately, but it only makes his uh, his stallion value rise. So, so they're they were excited both to have him at TaylorMade in the future. But also they, you know, they said right away, we want to raise him as a five-year-old. We know how, how good he can be next year once he gets healthy again, once he gets over his issues and puts on, puts on some strength muscle again. And so far, so good. They're two for two this year, and uh, they are definitely going to be the favorite for the uh, $10 million World Cup. Well, I'm excited, too, and I'm sure people across the country are. I mean, uh, in my memory, I can't recall the last time a Kentucky Derby winner was racing at five. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 good to have, isn't it? I mean, we we retire these horses far too early. Of course, American Pharaoh, we were all thrilled when the Triple Crown winner, you know, and that's taking it a step further. Of course, Triple Crown versus Derby, but we were thrilled just to have him back in the summer and fall last year, just just to see him race his three-year-old season now. But yeah, California Chrome, uh, you got to hand it to him. Five years old, I, I think you did hit on it a little bit. You know, he's still uh, in question uh, as as far as what he can uh, what he can demand out there. So by racing him at five, I think they're I think they're doing American race fans a, a great a great service by having such a nice horse still running. But also, like you said, the more he does, the more value that uh, his, his stud feet can quickly rise with a, with a few more big wins like, uh, like on Saturday. Well, we will find out. Now, uh, of course, there's, there's several North American-based horses that are going to be racing in some of the other races like the UAA Derby, uh, the Do- uh, Dubai Golden Shaheen. But uh, we want to kind of zone in on the Dubai World Cup. And uh, for those that don't know, they did have the draw for post and uh, got key in on the American horses. Looks like uh, 
they, they kind of did this thing that they used to do with the Derby where they pull your name out and then you get to pick your post position. And sad to say, they didn't pull out California's chrome, so there was just a few spots left. But breaking from the inside will be Keen Ice uh, from the Dale Romans barn, who's tagged at 20-1. to 1. That was a bit of a surprise. Now, Keen Ice... For the first time in his career, not only racing in another country, he's going to race with blinkers on. And then breaking next to him is a horse that's going to be standing next to California Chrome. Uh, they announced this week in the Stallion Barn in uh, Mishawish, uh, Frankie DeTore is going to take over for him. Of course, he's a big-time rider. So those are two of the American-based uh, horses. Uh, then we've got a lot of horses people haven't heard of. Of course, the break from the four-hole is Muktahij, who was highly touted last year. And uh, after winning the uh, UAE Derby, uh, failed to hit the board in the Kentucky Derby or the Belmont. But uh, he, so he's he's at fifteen to one. He never really blossomed out. I'm not going to go into some of these other horses because people don't know who they are. Uh, Candy Boy, you may recall, uh, was beaten the nose by Tapature uh, back in 2014. He's over there now. He's listed at fifty to one. He's only had one off the board start at May Dan. So, uh, but again, right now outside of tap at anything by Candy Ride, it can't be ignored. And then at two to one, you've got Frosted, and everybody knows who he is. And he took a similar route to uh, California Chrome, getting over there early. Karen McLaughlin's been kind of his own. Then you've got Opportunity, who's coming out of a strong win in the San Antonio. Uh, he's listed at twelve to one, and uh, and California Chrome's going to break next to him. He's the slight favorite at three to two, and of course Victor Espinoza. Uh, Brian Zipsy, do you think that that post position is going to hurt California Chrome or give Espinosa a chance to eyeball the field because, before he runs into the turn? Well, I think having California Chrome, John, on the outside is never a bad thing. His so wins were kind of the same race where he, he sat on the outside, he waited to pounce, or he waited very close to the pace, waited to pounce on the far turn, had that quick burst, and ended the race as they were straightening out. So I think being on the outside is a good thing for him. 11 is a little farther out maybe than ideal, maybe than Sherman wanted. Uh, he uh, went about four wide last year, and he was part of the pace. I see a similar trip for him this year. Maybe there's not as much speed or as many horses that will be up there with him early. Of course, last year he attended the pace four wide most of the way. Finally got just about to the lead early in the stretch and then was uh, swallowed up by a uh, rallying horse named Prince Bishop. He held on well for some time. I feel like he's vulnerable again. Uh, I think he's uh, he's going to be part of the pace, and I don't know if 10 furlongs is his best distance, to tell you the truth. That sounds weird for a Kentucky Derby winner. But, uh, yeah, I, I think he's vulnerable late in this race, again, as he was last year. I definitely respect California Chrome. I think he's one of the best California Preds we've ever seen, and I, I certainly could see him winning. But I think there is a, a little bit of a vulnerability again as they get into that final furlong, John. And there are some very good candidates who might be running him down late. Well, we've got about two minutes left in this segment. I'm thinking his biggest challenge is are going to come from the North American contingent. Not that I have a great line on the European horses that are going to race. Who do you like? Yeah, 
Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't think the international uh, team is as, as, as strong this year as years past. So I'm agreeing with you. I think that uh, I think that this is an earth race. What do you know? It's the second year back on dirt. Uh, you mentioned several of them. Keen Ice, Candy Boy, making his first start in a year. He's been going really well in Florida. He could pop up. Moop Tahish, who's not a, an American, but we know him well from his runs last year. I think third race off the layoff could do well. Opportunity is always running late, but there's only one horse I really love in this spot. Unfortunately, it's not going to be an odds race for me. I like Frosted, the, the heavy second choice. I think Frosted was born for this race. I, I love him at 10 furlongs. I think he's going to sit a good trip in the middle of the pack. He's a go-dolphin horse. He's been over at the private training facility. His one race at Maidan this year was really awesome. And uh, I think, you know, I think this is the race they want to win. This is kind of their Breeders' Cup uh, as a, a UAE-owned horse. McLaughlin used to be over in Dubai years ago. And Frosted, I think, as a four-year-old, is coming into his own. Finally, outside of the shadow of the great American pharaoh, I expect Frosted to be the one getting to the lead at the eighth pole and cruising home a Dubai World Cup winner, John. All right. Well, you heard it straight from the horse player's mouth, Brian Zipsy, uh, editor of Horse Racing Nation. If you don't have that site on your favorites, I highly recommend you go over and click on it. Brian, thanks for spending time with us, and have a great weekend watching the races. John, I always appreciate it. Like I said before, call me anytime. I'd be happy to come on. Okay, I'm not shy about that once I got your number. Thank you very much. We've been talking with Brian Zipsy. Going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk to a New Orleans native that we've had on the show many times. Gary West is going to join us. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds back. Bart. They need to bitch his ass and then move oh, on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with us is Gary West, who's currently a frequent contributor to ESPN. Uh, he was a regular columnist for the Daily Dallas Morning News and the Fort Worth Star-Telegram for so many years, uh, son of a jockey. He was a college teacher, uh, one of the 
most well-spoken guest I've ever had on. And if you don't know what Gary looks like and you're looking for him on the backstretch, just look for a guy who's the best-dressed guy among all the press people. I think Gary owns shoes that are more expensive than my car. So with that said, Gary West, welcome back to Winning Ponies. Thank you, John. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, well, Gary, uh, this is going to be an interesting weekend. I just talked with Brian Zipsy. Of course, we've got the races in Dubai. Uh, This is the the crowning day for the fairgrounds. I believe that Sunday will be the last day. I also believe they're having 15 races on Saturday, and you're going to be able to play a pick four with nothing but graded uh, stakes races. But before we get to that, uh, you, you put out Gary West's updated top 20 derby prospects. And your your first line floored me. Uh, it said, did we see the Kentucky Derby winner last Saturday? I suspect we did. And I kept reading down your column, and I was kind of waiting for the name Cupid to jump, jump up. But <laughs> instead, it was the San Felipe winner, Dancing Candy, uh, that seemed sweetest to you. You want to run down maybe a couple of your top horses on the, on the Derby Road at this point? As we know, it can change. Well, yes, I've updated it since then and, and certainly moved Cupid in there. But uh, I, was, I was just tremendously impressed with uh, the, the San Felipe and Danzing Candy um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, first of all, if you analyze the race carefully and look at the pace, he, he gets the highest pace figure, uh, meaning the fastest early split when adjusted for the track variant and for the run-up to the turn, et cetera, than any three-year-old in a two-turn race this year, as well as the highest final number. Um, in other words, it was quite simply far and away the best race run this year uh, by a three-year-old around two turns. And what makes him, I think, even more dangerous than many speedsters in the past is that now we have the Kentucky Derby qualifying points, which basically eliminate any sprinter from running the Kentucky Derby. And now you have to prove yourself around two turns to get into the starting gate in that first Saturday in May. And so a horse like Danzing Candy, who is very fast, I think has his chances for going wire to wire in the derby enhanced. Um, so I liked his race a great deal. I liked the horse that ran second to him, more spirit. Um, he, more than any horse I've seen so far this year, I think will appreciate the mile in a quarter. He does have gears. He can accelerate. He's very tractable. I like him a great deal. And, of course, the others, um, Nyquist, Bohemian, everyone knows about. I think most people have those one, two. Um, but I, I think Banding Candy is uh, quicker than, than either one of those horses. And I, I moved Cupid in there. And, of course, Destin, the winner of the uh, Tampa Bay Derby, I was impressed with him. But Cupid's race at Hot Springs uh, at Oakland Park was, to me, uh, just astonishing in that. This is a horse who was racing for the fourth time in his career. He had never shown that much speed. I talked to Bob Baffert earlier, and he said, yeah, this is a fast horse. I said, okay, I, I expected him to stalk. Instead, he left there flat-footed and still rushed up and got the lead in 22 and change and kept going. Uh, the second quarter mile was much slower, but that was into a strong win on the backstretch. A lot of people have made out. Uh, some importance there that I don't think is relevant. He actually ran the fastest second quarter mile of any horse that day in a two-turn race. And then at the top of the lane, he ducked in and almost hit the rail. 
And then it looked like Whitmore was going to blow by him, and then he refocused and, and rebroke. And, and one by more than a length and in a gallop out, he was five or six in front. So I was very impressed with Cupid. I think the uh, Kentucky Derby winner comes from that group. Well, I must say, Cupid, uh, like Mo Heyman, uh, a, a gray son of Tappet, also made a, uh, a beautiful physical composition out on the track. He, he just looked fantastic. He, he looked like he just had so much athleticism. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting, and we'll see if uh, Cupid and Danzing uh, Candy aren't the ones. <laughs> he might be the one pressing your number one pick, which is we know from from week to week and can change at any time. But it's a, it's an interesting uh, scenario. Of course, we're going to have the matchup between Nyquist and Mohamed down at Gulfstream, and that's going to be a very interesting race. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that race. I'm a little disappointed that it's going to draw a small field. You know, since World War II, only one Kentucky Derby winner did not race in a big field of at least 10 horses prior to his success in Kentucky. And that lone exception was American Pharaoh last year, who was, of course, a standout in terms of his uh, just inherent ability. Um, so I think that lack of experience in a big field is, is going to be telling or could be telling for a horse like Mohammed Mohamed when, when the sort of derby field once again comes up with maybe seven or eight horses. But it looks like strictly a two-horse race. And given those two horses, I think Nyquist has a little more natural speed. And if he draws inside of Mohamed, or even if he doesn't, I, I think he goes to the lead. And we'll be a, we'll get to jump on Mo Heyman. I look for him to win the Florida Derby. Uh, whether he wins in Kentucky or not, or ever beats Mo Heyman again is another question. But uh, in a small field where I think speed will be uh, emphasized, I think Nyquist will have a little bit of an edge over Mo Heyman in Florida. Well, I'm chomping at the bit to get into these races at the fairgrounds, but I've got to take one more uh, side turn. And that is, A, to compliment you and Bob Fortas on Ride to Win, an inside look at the jockey's craft. Uh, It's a fantastic book. I've recommended it on nights when you're not even on the air. It's a book that everybody should get because it covers absolutely every facet of of jockeys and riding and psychology and the things that go into the game. You guys are so great, and I know you both – are, are great boots on the grounds, guys. I mean, you, you don't write your stories from a desk. You know, you, you write them where you're, you're, you're smelling hay and whatever else is in it. Uh, how, how are things going with Ride to Win? And I want to remind people how they can get it. Well, things are going very well, John. In fact, I found out uh, just uh, today, or was it yesterday, that Ride to Win is a finalist for the Dr. Tony Ryan Award, which goes annually to the best book with a horse racing theme. And, you know, I've never entered um, any of these writing competitions and awards for a variety of reasons that that I'll share with you over cocktails one night. I don't have a lot of interest in them or respect for most of them. But I surprised myself when I felt this surge of pride when I saw Ride the Win in a list of semifinalists. It's a finalist now. Uh, You know, alongside books written by, for example, Ed Bowen, um, a man for whom I have a great deal of respect. And uh, I, it was a, a, something of a surprising feeling for me. And um, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to uh, visiting with the folks when I go up to Kentucky for the ceremony 
on April 13th. But it's doing well, can be ordered through uh, Jockey Talk 360. The reason for that is the reason we're staying away from most retailers, some retailers have it, is that a large portion of the revenue goes to the permanently disabled jockey fund. And if we give retailers their big cut, we couldn't do that. So uh, the jockeys are getting about 40% of the, of the revenue from this book. And uh, for that reason, it's uh, best available through Jockey Talk 360. Well, it, it is fantastic, and that's easy enough to go to, folks. Jockey Talk 360, you should be hooked up to them anyhow because you get a lot of good information out. And, of course, now that Jenny Reese has been named their publicity director, uh, you're probably even going to get a little more push because nobody does a better job at, at promoting uh, Kentucky Downs, uh, which is you know, so strongly behind Jockey 360 uh, than our friend Jenny. Well, I better move on to some horse racing here because we've got a million-dollar race that's going to have, hopefully, implications to the Kentucky Derby this year, and that is the Twin Spires Louisiana Derby. Uh, brings together a very, very interesting crew because you can make a case, I think, for about a half a dozen in, in here. Uh, we're talking with Gary West. Gary, how do you see this race? Well, you're right. It is a very interesting race. Um, the first uh, few finishers in the Risen Star, uh, which is a prep for the Louisiana Derby in New Orleans, uh, are back here for the Louisiana Derby, including the winner of that race, Gunrunner, and the third-place finisher, Mo Tom, who had a troubled trip in the Risen Star, and Forever Mo, the uh, runner-up. And then they're joined by Greenpoint Crusader, who hasn't run since uh, finishing second behind Mo Hayman in the Holy Bull Stakes. A lot has been made of Mo Tom's trip in the Risen Star, and as I said, he did have trouble for sure. He had to alter course in the stretch and otherwise might have won. On the other hand, the pace in the Risen Star was unusually fast. Candy, my boy, set rapid fractions, and Mo Tom was on the better part of the racetrack, which was inside. The inside part of that track was golden all day. And so he benefited from that. He benefited from the fast pace. And then he had some trouble in the lane. Gunrunner uh, was actually pretty close to that rapid pace and still finished well to win the race. He, too, was on the rail uh, for the, uh, much of the race, as was for Evermo. So I, I think there's every reason to think a Gunrunner can improve off that. Again, he was pretty close to a rapid pace there. So I respect his performance there quite a bit. And then I'm intrigued by Greenpoint Crusader, uh, simply because this is a horse of considerable quality. Uh, he's a late foal. That's what I remember, May 14th, something like that. So they've been patient with him, which I think is a very good thing. And he got caught in an awkward situation in the Holy Bull, because this is not a front runner by any means, but he found himself on the lead in 49, I think the opening half mile was, which was incredibly slow. I think my pace figure for that race was something like 18, whereas a normal pace figure in a derby prep would be uh, around 50 or 60. So it was it was just a ridiculously slow pace. He didn't know what he was doing out there. No Heyman ran by him. But I would expect Greenpoint Crusader to uh, step forward here. This is a horse that's poised to make a big step forward. You know, these three-year-olds can improve rapidly, very quickly, and they usually do that after they have matched their best performance as a juvenile, and then they come out and they take that step forward. That's exactly where Greenpoint Crusader is 
And so I look for him to move forward in the Louisiana Derby. If I had to pick one horse, it would be him. But I think uh, the two most likely winners are Greenpoint Crusader and Gunrunner. Of course, Mo Tom will come running, and I would love to see Tom Amos go to Kentucky with a uh, contender for the Derby because Tom's such a great horseman and a great guy. And uh, Mo Tom, no doubt, will make the run. And uh, at a mile and a quarter down the road, he could be very effective indeed. But for Saturday's race, I think Greenpoint Crusader and Gunrunner are the uh, most likely winners. Well, we had uh, time on the show last week, and uh, it's funny. I asked him a question, and I can't believe nobody else asked him, and I think he'll enjoy this as a, as a writer. I'm like, what would it be like for a kid from New Orleans to win the Louisiana Derby? And he goes, you know, you're the first guy that asked me that, and I guess we could probably say the same thing about Al Stahl, who has uh, Fervamo in there. Uh, that would be a pretty neat thing for a kid from New Orleans uh, that grew up cutting their teeth from the school of Jack Van Berg to win this race. Yeah, you're right. That would be special for both of them. And, you know, Tom Amos and Al Stahl were roommates at LSU before they – started training horses. Of course, they both grew up around horses and loved horse racing for a long time. But they, they went to college and they were roommates. How about that? I, you know, he didn't bring that up last week. I didn't know that. That's why we have Gary West on. You learn something new every time. Well, two just outstanding horsemen. I know at this point, uh, Tom Amos has won 11 training titles at the, at the fairgrounds. So, uh, obviously, uh, both of those Guys, uh, you know, came up the right way, and they must love going back home. And, and usually, they they kind of saunter on up to Kentucky uh, as things get warmer. But it, w- it will be interesting. And the other thing about Gunrunner that has to be said, I think, is that uh, in the pilot seat is Florent Giroux, who seems to be in an amazing zone right now. Uh, talking about a guy that authored a book on jockeys. I, I'm, I'm very fond of uh, Florence Giroux. I, I met him for the first time last year and uh, came to admire the way he, he rides and handles himself. He's very professional, and he's very patient on a horse. He, uh, he, he's one of those uh, riders who knows geometry, which is to say he knows how to save ground and, uh, and the importance of that. So I, I, I think uh, Florence Giroux is an up-and-coming star in this game, and it's great to see him with a possible derby contender. Yeah, I, I had the chance to ju- just meet him casually, and he just seems like such a class act. And uh, uh, Doug Brader, obviously, uh, with all of his connections, is doing a great job uh, getting them in the right spots. Well, we've talked about the, the boys' edition. Uh, let's talk about the Twin Spires Fairgrounds Oaks. I don't think any race in the last... 10 years or perhaps ever has had as much impact on the Kentucky Oaks as this race has. Oh, you're right. You're right. And, and we could you know, talk for a long time about the great fillies that have come out of this race, which makes you wonder how the heck is this still a grade two race? You know, uh, Rachel Alexander yeah. uh, ran in this race. And, and I, I'm guessing this has produced more, uh, Kentucky Oaks winners in the last decade than, than all the other perhaps combined. They don't anyway, easily. That, that's for the Greater Stakes Committee to wrestle over, and, and I've had my differences of opinion with them in the past. But uh, this is a very intriguing race for a couple of reasons. One of them is Landover Sea shows up here from California, and, and I'm we're so glad to see that because, you know, she has been chasing Songbird and Water last <laughs> five races. 
and, and this is a good filly who deserves a chance to win, and they finally conceded they can't beat Songbird, who's just an Amazon of a mare, and uh, she's now in a spot where she's going to be very tough. I was impressed with her run in the Santa Isabel at uh, Santa Anita, where she ran second to Songbird, second again. She's been second to Songbird three times. And, and I think she is the one to beat here. But I, I don't discount the locals at all. Um, stage play, although fifth, I think she was, what, fifth in the Rachel Alexander? Uh, yeah, it was in a bad spot. The, the, track, the way the track was playing that day, stage play wasn't in the right spot for most of the race. It was in a horrible, horrible position. She was four wide, way out in the middle of the racetrack in the second turn, and actually made a big run to get... Uh, to within a length or so of the lead in mid-stretch. But after all that work on the slow part of the racetrack, again, this is the same day as the Risen Star. The winners were on the fence. In fact, the winner of the Rachel Alexandra Stakes, Venus Valentine, rallied from far back. And how did this happen? Got to go on the rail every step of the way and finished up the rail to win the race. But I thought stage play had a huge excuse in that race. And I, I, I know that uh, Steve Asmussen has always had a high opinion of her. I think she'll run much, much better. And midnight on Okani, Okanoe, um, how, do you, how do you pronounce that, John? Okan- well, I just Okanoe. listen to the announcer and say it like he says it. You got me. <laughs> anyway, uh, midnight on whatever. Um, she was also off the uh, fast rail that day, and she ran a bang-up race. She, in fact, made the lead in mid-stretch and uh, just got run down by the horse Venus Valentine charging up the rail. I think she could also pull off an upset here, and I don't know what to think of a door. This is the uh, other Steve Asmussen fellow who comes in from Hot Springs, Arkansas, and has won a couple of races there in very impressive fashion. But Land Overseas, I think, the one to beat. And one uh, other interesting, I think, uh, uh, aspect of her arrival and performance here in New Orleans is that it will give us some measure of just how good um, Songbird is, because Songbird has beaten Miss Philly uh, for fun uh, several races in a row. And if... if, if uh, she ran overseas, can win the fairgrounds oaks. That means that we're really dealing with something special in Songbird. Well, um, <clears throat> land overseas, without a doubt, I'm thinking we'll probably go off the favorite. It might have a chink in its armor, though. It's coming in off three weeks' rest and had to ship. And I noticed the only bad race that land overseas ever put in was when it had to ship to Lexington for the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies and really didn't run a step that day. But as you said, she's been running second behind, uh, you know, one of the one of the potential greats of racing, uh, Songbird. So it's a lot of times it's about the company you keep. Of course, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed for uh, Venus Valentine. She won't be 74 to 1 in here like she was in the Rachel Alexandra, that's for sure. Right, exactly. I, I, I think... Um I think stage play could be a, a play here. Venus Valentine, though, you need to keep an eye on because she's improving. As I said, she had the benefit of the rail last time out, but that doesn't mean she uh, won't have a good trip here if the pace heats up. All right. Well, listen, uh, we've probably got about five minutes left, and I'm going to try to see if we can't squeeze two races in. Uh, I noticed that the Fairgrounds uh, has named the race the Munez Memorial Handicap, where it used to be the Mervyn Munez. Of course, his uh, brother Ramon passed away last year. Uh, I did work at the fairgrounds. These were two of the, the nicest guys I think you'll ever meet in racing. 
I agree. I, I, I've known or knew them both for many years, and uh, they they were fixtures at the fairgrounds for decades, and um, there was a great deal of sadness at the racetrack when 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 they died. Um, so I'm I'm very glad to see this name for for the brothers now at the Nunez Memorial Handicap. Well, I can tell you on a personal note, both of them helped me a lot uh, while I was down there. Okay, real quick, I just want to give you my read on this race. Chocolate Ride, the one the one to beat, going for four in a row with Florent Giraud, absolutely loves the fairgrounds. There might be some rain. That wouldn't surprise you in New Orleans on Saturday. But it kind of looks like Mike Maker's got a game plan here. Uh, he claimed this change of command, who's a speedster, and I'm wondering if he's going to try to send that horse to soften up Chocolate Ride for Roman Approval, who looks to be the biggest rival as he's run a very game second behind Chocolate Ride in their last two races in New Orleans. Well, you know, I, I, I was actually thinking the same thing. Uh, that is what it looks like, isn't it? And, of course, Savio Castellano comes in and has the mount on Roman approval. Um, I, I think a Roman approval is uh, very dangerous. I, I love Chocolate Ride. Don't misunderstand. Um, but he's going to be favored, I would assume. He's won six out of seven races over this turf course, and the only time he got beat, he was second. So he is obviously a horse that loves New Orleans and loves that turf course. And although he does like to go to the front, that is his preferred style, he has won by stalking, sitting just off the pace. But there does appear to be quite a bit of speed in here. And so I, I think they could set this up for Roman approval. And I like one other horse uh, who's also a closer, and that is the Gray Emotion horse, I Can't Help Believing. Uh, and he's a little more enticing price. He's at 8-1 to one in the morning line. I think Roman approval and Can't Help Believing will come running late. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they occupy the winner's circle. Another intriguing horse is uh, the closing bell from the Bill Mott stable. This is a, a four-year-old, just turned four, and um, he's only run once as a four-year-old. That was on the main track. I would look to see him improve. He was getting a lot better at the end of his three-year-old career, or three-year-old season, I should say. Uh, thank you, Gary Westwell. Uh, only got about two minutes left, and probably one of the tougher races on the card is going to be the Grade Two New Orleans Handicap. Um, five of these horses are coming out of a race at Houston, uh, the Maxim Gold Cup. Three of the horses are coming out of the Mine Shaft. So most of the horses in this race are no strangers to each other. Do you see uh, uh, somebody coming to the top, uh, an overdue horse like Eagle, perhaps? I, I love Eagle in the spot, John. You know, in the Mine shaft, he was four to five wide all the way around the track. And, of course, the winner was, was on the fence in Majestic Harbor. Um, International Star was in the three-path. Uh, but uh, the, the winner there, Mobile, I mean, uh, uh, Majestic Harbor had, had the perfect trip on the fast rail, and that won't happen here. I, I think Eagle gets the perfect setup. It's going to be a fast pace. He runs them down. Maybe International Star can hang on and finish second, or Mobile Bay, another one who's, or Mobile Bay, I should say, who's going to come running. Well, uh, I'm gl- glad to hear that we agree on a, a few of these horses. Uh, coming from a, uh, a master like you, I feel like maybe I did my homework well. Again, uh, we're talking uh, with Gary West, who, again, teamed up with Bob Fortas, uh, to write one of the most enjoyable books. You can pick it up. You, you don't even have to read it from Chapter 1 all the way through. You can just go to any chapter you want and, and, and enjoy this book. It's such a fantastic insight, as it says on the cover, an inside look at the jockey's craft. And uh, One more time, where can we get that book, Gary West? 
I said it's the perfect book to uh, take up residence in the bathroom because you can start reading at any point. You're right. <laughs> well, Gary, thanks so much uh, for, for being with us. I, I, I appreciate it greatly, and I wish you nothing but the best at all times. And when you see my buddy Bob Fortis, give him a pat on the back for me, okay? I sure will. Thank you, John. Always my pleasure. All right. Well, we've been talking with Gary West. I want to thank uh, Brian Zipsy for being with us. Uh, two great guys uh, that know their stuff. It's going to be a fantastic week of racing. Remember, winningponies.com. Go on up there. Pull down the easy win forms. We've been coming up with some humongous winners, and you're going to need all the help you can get with some of these tight races that we're going to have over the weekend. So once again, as I uh, look over the manicured turf course past the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky, I want you to remember, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.